What's happening, folks? I am Alicia Henley, aka The Smooth Factor. Welcome to my Crash Pad. This is a podcast for technologists, creatives, and my techie tribe. On it, we'll be going behind the scenes and looking at some of the latest technologies that drives incredible experiences. And of course, we'll have open discussion on the challenges, success, and the designs of these spaces. So without further ado, let's hop into this week's episode. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Crash Pod. Look, I can't even talk today. Crash Pad Podcast. (laughs) It's Friday, (laughs) but I am excited because I have a very special guest who I actually met on LinkedIn because she went viral, you know, with with one of her (laughs) posts. But Tay Johnson is here with me to talk a little bit about data and cybersecurity and all of that and how it plays into our world today. So Tay, what's happening? Welcome to the show. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Like I said, it's Friday. I'm pushing through, girl. I'm pushing through. (laughs) I'm so happy it's Friday. I can't. I was like, this week is one of those weeks. It, that, it definitely was, but this is like the cherry on top for me to do like things that I actually like to do, have engaging conversations with people that I'm actually interested in and what you're doing. So I'm excited to tell the audience and tell the people about everything that you do, because there's a lot more to you than just the viral picture with the blue hair go, you know, taking off. There's a lot more to what you do, especially in the world of technology. So can you speak a little bit to that? You know, where did your journey begin? How did you land in this world of, you know, data science and science? Cybersecurity. Yeah, so my background is very much not traditional. I'm one of those people that had an interest in technology as a kid, but I didn't know that I could necessarily make money from it. So I'm originally from New York City, and just to be very blunt, all the people I knew were street people. So I was like, okay, yeah. I can go to school and maybe work in nursing, get a corporate job or a city job, and then I'll be it. I thought that was my path. So I didn't know that I could make money, you know, studying systems and technology. I was always on my computer as a kid. So I really just tried to kind of learn more about what I could do, but I was still curious and kind of afraid to make that leap. So I actually ended up in HR and this is me kind of showing my age a little bit, but back then you didn't need to have a degree. I just applied for HR coordinator position and I moved my way up as a recruiter. And we took one of those little career assessments where it tells you like where you should be based on your personality. And I completely was supposed to be in a different field. It just pretty much said, hey, you need to work as an engineer, as an instructor, or as a writer. And luckily, I was able to do all three, but I was definitely in a spot where I was like, okay, I'm older. (laughs) I'm not young. I've been doing this for a while. I was making decent money. And I decided to kind of just take a leap of faith. Um, and get a position in data. And that's kind of where I started off on my data journey. And cybersecurity came way after I moved up into management and a lot of the infrastructure that I was managing was our data systems. So they would ask us about doing patches and updates and user personas. And I was like, this is kind of going off the path of just data. So it kind of inspired me to become more curious about the cyber protecting our infrastructure end of it. And that's how I ended up being able to combine both Man, that's a that's an interesting journey. And you and I talked a, a lot about this because even though we're not technically in the same field, we kind of play in a gray area where there's a lot of crossover. And within technology, it does not seem like there is a straight path into any form of technology, right? Like HR is a very like HR embodies so much now. And the fact that that's where you build from is, is very impressive and extremely unique and also inspiring, you know, because like I said, there's no direct way. And the fact that we 
keep finding unique ways to create opportunities for ourselves is something that our community is very good at doing. I think just general resilience, you know what I mean? Trying to find our way through, you know, different environments in general, especially in the workforce. So now that you've built your career up to this point of, you know, cybersecurity, can you speak to like the foundation of like backend systems and the role you play in creating stability for your clients and for the company that you're a part of? Now, I'll be a little bit more nerdy when I talk about backend because it's like three major <laughs> components of it that people use know, yeah. and that's, of course, your server, your database, and your API. Now, most people will know at least a database that they use, and they might know what an API is, but they usually don't know what a server does. And the server is pretty much something that you really need to have to be all the way secure, because that houses everything that we um, If a server is down, I would say for less than a minute, so much information can be stopped and stolen very quickly to where it's like a blink of an eye. And we're talking about thousands, if not millions, depending on whatever information is normally traffic is going through that server. So that's why that component, you need to make sure that's online. And I think about how my role in creating more stability around those three areas is pretty much making sure that I understand and help my clients understand the importance of making sure that our server one times are up to date and that we have all of our patches up to date for our users, our end users. Those are like the two key areas. And what that means is what that looks like is every time you see on like a good Apple product, they say, hey, you need to update your phone. There's a reason why they keep trying to remind you to do it. And if you don't click a button, it will do it automatically. That was set in place as an industry standard because we realize that people get busy, but we still have to protect you even if you don't know any better. Right, right. That's super important, right? The level of protection. And I mean, over like the last five years, me personally, when I started joining new companies or whatever, like the level of training to focus on protecting yourself and protecting the company has increased year by year, right? Whether it's like taking those no before trainings, you know, phishing and all of this spoofing was just, is like, at an all-time high, right? So you are actually helping your clients build processes around protecting that data and that server and that information. Yes, I am. And it's crazy because you kind of hit on something that's major. We all know what's been popping off because of the pandemic. It's been wide. And we're talking about industries that had very outdated systems on the back end. We're talking about schools and universities. We're talking about healthcare, hospitals. They have legacy systems. That's what we call an industry. And these are not the fancy tech products that we'll see at a, you know, a startup or a large enterprise because they spend their money on other things, which is great, but they weren't ready for all the hacking that was going on at the start of 2020. And it's crazy. I have some very impressive stats, which is not good stats. So it's telling me like social engineering is like at a 200 or more percent. We have a lot more ramps where it's like these crazy numbers I have never seen in my entire career because these systems were never updated or they didn't actually change how they stored their data. Right. They would data in there for years, if not months, and it would have the same ID. AKA you can trace that data back to where it first entered in and it's still sitting in that same spot. That is a no-no. You will want each data point to pretty much be moving around. So if it was compromised, it's a hard find. It's like a needle in a haystack. That's what you want when it comes to your data. That's important because when I, you know, when I think about back-end systems, I'm thinking about process and how, you know, it's set up for companies to work. Now, like you said, you know, the whole COVID situation has 
has made, you know, major companies that run legacy systems reapproach everything because half of their team is working hybrid now, right? So how, from your expertise, how do you help companies approach that kind of, you know, yeah. format and module now as companies are going half hybrid, half in office, or some days here, some days there? And honestly, people are working wherever they want, right? You could go to co-working space and work there for two days. How do you structure something to protect one of your clients' infrastructure when people are, you know, touching those touch points from all over the place? Yeah, like this is actually really important now because you see a shift of people coming back into the office, even if it's one to two days out of the week. And I know that when the pandemic first started, a lot of people were using a lot of like VPNs. That's a software to kind of like hide your IP address. And now the hiccup became, if you're going to go off and use a public Wi-Fi where there's no password, we really don't want you necessarily logging into the company's databases because we don't know how to protect you and subsequently our information as well that's on your work laptop. So now that we're in the hybrid model, it's kind of putting it in perspective of like, hey, we're not actually trying to track where you're at. We're trying to make sure that whatever you connect to is secure. So we would usually have, we know where someone is logging in from their home office. But then we also know, like, hey, if you frequent somewhere in your neighborhood, we try to do it based on the proximity of whatever tower that you're in. So say if you're in your neighborhood, we'll base it off of that versus you're going a further distance. Because what we want to do is give you flexibility to say, hey, you can pick up your laptop and go to a coffee shop down the block. But you are still able to be secure with whatever you're doing. So it's kind of like we're trying to give you enough space, but then we also want to protect our stuff too. Right, right. Because it's like, you know, as a, as an employee, like, man, you got to be tracking where I'm at, right? People want to work from yeah. wherever or, you know, some companies are like, yeah, work from home. But that's exactly what we mean, like work from home. And people want to get out their houses. So I, I get how that's kind of like a weird dynamic to balance from a security point, but also from the flexibility point of your client and, of course, the client's end users, which is their employees, right? And there's something else that just like completely came to my mind. I don't want to is that I understand now this could be me being a little more like flexing a little bit but I always work with different type of data so I wasn't one of those people that just only work with one type of data so I worked with like you know government data healthcare and I know how those industries use that information so I knew in finance the way that when you have your bank account there's a financial analyst that will track your most recent or frequent purchases so when you get a flag it'll usually be flagged on if you went somewhere that's of course far away but also someplace you don't always eat at or shop at as an example I use that same model when it comes to making sure that our systems are secure because if you're naturally going within the same radius I know not since I attend and I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt if you're on that, you know, computer. That's the same approach that has been helping my clients understand, like, we're not trying to put chains on people's ankles. We're just trying to see that if we can see little touch points or trends about their natural user behavior, then we can kind of work around them. That's a great point, too, because, like, back in the day when that first started happening, right, you swipe your card and you get the text message, like, oh, we see you here. I'm like, now, how you know where I'm at, right? Like, it started raising some red flags, <laughs> But now in this day and age, like that's kind of like second 
nature, mm-hmm. right? And we actually don't know how to how that stuff works. But you are on the forefront of working with your companies to take that same model and implement it into their infrastructure to create uh, cybersecurity from a high level standpoint to protect them across the board, no matter where their end users or I should say their employees actually are working. And and getting back to the initial conversation that we had before the recording is like, so I'm in AV, right? And all of my soundboards, my lighting boards, um, you know, my microphones, they can connect to an internet. So I can, you know, send that audio to say another conference center across the globe and be doing this, you know, hybrid type of communication situation, right? We all use Zoom, but how, you know, companies are sending all of these audio packets and video packets all over the world. And cybersecurity is something that we, I feel like the industry doesn't necessarily talk enough about, but our clients are because our AV gear lives um, within their overall IT structure, right? So from your perspective, how do we blend these? worlds together how do we how do we talk about it more because it's the same thing with like smart homes right everybody started buying these refrigerators and coffee machines that connect to an internet so you can brew your coffee before you go downstairs but how do we how do we properly protect ourselves yeah like it's like a massive overhaul of bringing like multiple industries together so i think it's like a much bigger conversation yeah. but i yeah much it bigger, is a much bigger sure. conversation and i'm sure. just trying my best to kind of like streamline it a little bit when i think about you know av and IT and cybersecurity meshing together because sometimes IT and cyber can live underneath if you're looking at an org chart, so they might already be in conversation. But when it comes to implementing it with other teams, it's more or less everyone has to be on the same page. So there has to be either a policy or some type of compliance component to it of saying, hey, if we're looking at our, if we do have whatever gear it is that we're using, we need to understand what server is using that information and at what rate at speed. And of course, there's a bunch of different tests that we run. So there's just a lot of like protocol that you need to have in place. And then also what's being utilized and where and so on and so forth. So it's more of like a, a marriage and hopefully a more like easier marriage together because if you're having these very conversations, you think about, I always say, think about the similarities or where things overlap. You can kind of come to a solution much easier. He's like, okay, so this is where you start and this is where I start. And you can see how people in conversations will kind of piggyback off of each other. They're like, actually, it makes sense for you guys to do that. We can support you in this way. Now, the thing is, if we could only get you know, all the teams that just communicate. Maybe that's the bigger problem. <laughs> yes. That's like the major thing. Like everyone's doing their own thing over here. You're like, yeah, Right, right. So maybe it's not even the technology and everything. All of that is going to continue to grow. Maybe we just need to start with basic communication flows <laughs> from both from a technology perspective and from an actual like person to person, how we, you know, within our teams, how we engage with each other. So that way those conversations aren't so hard to have or those conversations are becoming proactive instead of reactive when something is broken, right? <laughs> yes. Because, you know, people always freak out when something ain't working. It's yeah. like, oh, no, I'm doing this. My computer, I can't. I'm like, relax. I'm right. here. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And, and there's so many ways to communicate before the technology even gets put in place to be more proactive. So maybe that's the real issue. But again, larger conversation, I'm gonna wheel it back in. <laughs> so um, let's say, let's say when you're, you know, when you're working with your clients, um, I think you mentioned these three pillars that they must have in place within the backend systems. And is there anything that you would, uh, I guess, top on top of those three pieces? I believe it was the server, the API, and give me what the other one was, database. Okay. And from the network infrastructure point of view, like when you're in 
incorporating all of that? Is there something outside of, you know, focusing on locking up that server that can help people focus on security? Oh, and I hate to say this, but it's the human element. It's the end user. Social engineering is is top. And it's so... No worries. This is why I record. <laughs> I just want to put it out there because I think people yeah, these yeah, hackers that yeah. are like so fancy and I'm like y'all really be leaving the door open and don't even realize it because I could see what y'all did aka you either click something you wasn't supposed to click you didn't sign out when you were supposed to or whatever you was using didn't automatically sign you out so what happens is if someone is able to what we call I hate to say but it's like a it looks like a two-way mirror it's like a screen will pop up and it'll look just like your screen and someone is watching what you're clicking so if that happens and someone's already in your device, there's nothing anyone can do because they can see what you're selecting or what your passwords are entering in. So that's why we noticed now on a lot of sites, it blocks when you're typing your password. That's where that started. You would have to click the option say view because they want to make sure that if someone is looking at your screen and you don't know that they're living in the background of it, that they're not seeing whatever you're entering as your password. That's why we started to change how we log into our login screen. So it's the human element of it. And that's why I mentioned it earlier. We try to work around human error. That's like the easiest way, just working around human error. So really education. So like cybersecurity data, that's a whole thing within itself, right? I don't want to go through that training. That's not my field. But is there maybe something that I can do <laughs> or like, you know, people who aren't technically savvy when it comes to learning how to protect themselves? Like for instance, my mom, she clicks on a ton of stuff on Facebook and I'm mm -hmm. like, why you take, why are you taking this too. Facebook page? You know what I mean? Like you don't know where it came from. So like, is there something that like the average person could just, you know, is there some place where you can go and just get some basic training on how to protect yourself? Yeah, like I always tell people, the first thing you would like to have on all your devices is a VPN. So just make sure that you have a VPN that's, of course, reasonably priced. They're usually cheap. You can get it monthly or annually. Sometimes they have it based on each year. And have it on all your devices. If you can have it on your personal laptop, of course, your work laptop and your phone as well. So you can just make sure that your IP address is secure. And then you can also, if you have children or sensitive information, you can also have that feature enabled as well. So if you don't want to see gory stuff, they will have like pretty much algorithms that can feed that out to block it off of your screen. Um, and that's something that, you know, people have been looking at because of the rise and stuff that was going on because of the pandemic. That's another feature that has been added to VPN, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of good. It's, it's kind of like uh, when I was younger, they didn't really, it, like, it was just starting coming into play, but the parent controls that you could put on cable, right? Like, <laughs> and and now it sounds like you could kind of do that for your internet and your, your children when it comes to them browsing the internet. And shoot, sometimes for yourself, you need to cut it off sometimes. That makes perfect sense. All right, Tay. So before we, before we wrap this up, my mission in doing everything I do content-wise is to help raise awareness, right? Show people in different cultures and different environments that, hey, I do some kind of cool form of cool technology. This might be a route for you to get into and, you know, make a make a decent living for yourself. And I think what you're doing is the same, just in a different form of technology. So for people that are looking to get into what is, that, what is you know, data science or cybersecurity, what's your advice on where they should start? Oh, I always say start with actually talking to people in the field. Um, I always do like more or less, I like the human element of talking to people in those worlds. So 
I'll randomly go on Google and search and have like this big long list of different job titles that I'm interested in or just look cool. And then of course I'll go on my Indeed or Glassdoor to kind of see the job descriptions. And then I'll reach out to those people who have those titles. Because what I want to hear is how is it day-to-day -day life in those jobs? I don't want to just see the cookie cutter example because I might be way off and think it's going to be cool. You're like, actually girl, it's not that. <laughs> So I just want to give the real perspective of what I did. I actually reached out to people in data with different titles when I first started and they kind of started me out like, oh, I actually want to do this. This sounds cool. And I would make notes when I would have these conversations with people. So making sure that I had some type of like online presence to be able to reach folk. That was the first thing that I did. And then outside of that, also training. A lot of what I do is just learning new things. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of listening to other podcasts, connecting with other folks at network events. That's what I do. I don't actually just be silent. Like I have a team of people I can reach out to and I had to cultivate that over the years. So making sure you find your tribe and it could be in any format. It could be part of a group, a meetup group, discord group, but just find your people who are in your same area or interest that you can actually learn and grow with. Yeah. And I, I feel like I preach that a lot, you know, like you just got to find the right places to network. And that starts with researching different roles. I mean, that's what I've done. Like maybe I'll stay in business development within audio forever. Maybe I won't. Maybe there's another role that I can grow into. I look at career building as a as the way I look at life. Like we're always going to continue to grow. We're always going to continue to learn. Um, don't put yourself into a box. Just keep finding ways to follow your passion ultimately and then connect with the right people who can show you and guide you along the way. Like, hey, like you said, girl, this is not what you think it is. Let me tell you that this is what you're going to have to do in this role. And I have a group of women within AV that have led me, you know, so far through my career telling me you know ins and outs of certain things that I just didn't know so that is super important and I'm so glad that somebody else is saying it instead of me <laughs> yes and before I let you yeah. go I want you to talk about some of the um, speaking engagements that you have coming up I saw something on LinkedIn and I want to be sure that we share that uh, because I want everybody to reach uh, out to okay. Tay. One <laughs> thing is you guys know I connect with people on LinkedIn all day, all night. But one thing that I do is actually connect, right? That's what we did. We hit the connect button and then we started talking. Like mm -hmm. we don't just let people sit there. So please reach out. Please reach out. Stay connected because Tay's doing some dope stuff. So t tell us about the events that you got coming up and you know, the speaking engagement. Yeah, for sure. So I just got paid. I made my post, I think, what, a day or two ago. But I'll be speaking mm -hmm. for women who hold their recharge conference on May. Nice. So that's really good. As a developer, it's virtual. So you can hop in. And I'm doing cybersecurity. We're just going to talk about the methods that we use in cybersecurity, how to secure your own network platform app. I'm just going to give you tools stuff that I do day in and day out to kind of help me, you know, keep my job. So like, that's literally what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. Be like, I'm going to give you what I do and hopefully you can use it and apply it. Um, it is a technical talk, so I'm be, you know, giving you some real techie stuff, but follow me along. Um, you know, I have slides. I'll have, of course, you'll see my face. And that's just something that I'm really, really passionate about doing speaking gigs like that, that are more technical, because I think I am rare. There aren't a lot of women in cybersecurity, and there are definitely not a lot of black women in cybersecurity. So it's just like right. two different whammies that I have to go up against. And then also, I'm not traditional with how I present myself. You will never catch me in a suit. So I'm just one of those, like, 
braid, tattoos, all of that type of thing. So they're like, you? And I'm like, yes, me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's something that you got to, as you grow in your career, that's something that you also have to learn to grow confident in is growing comfortable in your own skin. You know, whatever that might look like, you know, suit, I don't know, jeans, tats. Um, And that that kind of hindered me in the beginning of my career because I was like all these different versions of diversity. And I, I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't be myself. Right. But when I started actually embracing all those different pieces of diversity that I actually am in this, you know, dominant, you know, predominantly white male industry, um, that's, that's when things started changing. And I think you can speak a lot to that as well. Yeah, for sure. I've always been, as I hate to say it, but I've always been a rebel. So I've always had this yep. personality, meaning when I was a yep. kid, I would get into a lot of trouble. I could spill a little bit of my tea later, but I was the wild child of the family. <laughs> so mm-hmm. kind of crossed over into my corporate world where I didn't fit into the box because of just how I am. And they would want me to wear these pencil skirts and this. And I was like, I hate wearing these pencil skirts. I got to wear these stockings. I keep getting runs in them. Listen, there's nothing to play with. With the concrete and some heels, like I would be about to break my neck <laughs> to get right. to look decent right. by their example. So it took me a minute to kind of embrace showing up with just a hoodie or showing my tattoos and wearing my different yeah. hair because that's who I am when I wasn't at work. And until I right. embraced that, it just felt like I was being a shell of myself. And I didn't want to do that anymore. And it just came with mm-hmm. age, though. Like, it took me a minute, yeah. but once I got there, I was like, this is what it is. I'll show up at the interview right here with this blue hair. And y'all going to take it. Y'all don't want me? Oh, well. <laughs> yes, the blue hair is definitely a hit. Yes. If nothing else, you got to rock with that. You got to rock with that. Everything I do is blue hair. Yeah, that's, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right. And um, Tay, where can the people find you? I've talked about LinkedIn a lot. But if there's any other resources, please let the people know how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, for sure. So, of course, I'm not a social media person, but I am mostly active on LinkedIn. I am on Twitter. And I am on Instagram as well. So, say Johnson CEO, and then you're going to see me pop up on there. And it is public. Awesome. Awesome. So what we'll do is we'll link that in the show notes. And, you know, I think towards the end of the conversation, we started talking about, you know, coming out of our shell and being ourselves. Um, we're going to have to come back and have that conversation again, because that that is something. Yeah, that's something. We'll 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 make yes. this happen again in a, in a few months and talk about that. I would love to have you back. But Tay, thank you so much for your time. And I, I'm looking forward to all that you're doing. And I'll continue to support you. Um, because I love seeing people excel within their passions and, you know, in their in their own in their own path, really. You know what I'm saying? You created your own path. You started one way yes. and you completely trailblazed into something greater. And uh, as a person who has actually not met you in person, but just know I'm always rooting for me for you know for you for, for from afar. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right, all right. Thanks for listening, folks. If you're excited to be a part of my techie tribe, make sure you download, subscribe, and review this podcast. And remember to stay creative and keep it techie. Peace.